Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would feed us through your word now. We come hungry, we come thirsty, we come needy, we come on our knees. Where else can we go, Lord, but to you? Who else do we have but you? So please feed us, strengthen us, nourish us, minister to us, convict us, enlighten us. Preach to us, Lord, through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, churches can be wonderful places. They can also be complicated places. Churches can be well-oiled places. Sometimes they can be messy places. Churches can be healing places. Sometimes they can be hurtful places. Churches can be healthy places. Sometimes they can be sick places. But Jesus... Knowing this full well, knowing our complicated natures, knowing our messiness, knowing our ability to hurt one another, Jesus, knowing our sinful sicknesses, decides to display his glory and proclaim his gospel through the church, through the worldwide church, through the local church through Toro Church, through the imperfect church. Because imperfect churches and imperfect Christians are all there are. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, if I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, If I had found one, I would have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church once I had become a member of it. What a wonder, then, that God Almighty, in his infinite wisdom, chooses to redeem sinners, to reconcile them to himself through his Son. He commits himself by the sending of his Spirit to indwell those redeemed sinners and grow them up day by day into the new creations that they are in Christ. And then he tells them, get together, be a family, be a church, imperfectly, sometimes very imperfectly. And he says to them, I will be the head of you. I will guide you. I will not leave you. I will be your crown. I will be your foundation. You will be my people. I will be your God. And through you, yes, you, you imperfect ragamuffins, through you, with all of your struggles and issues and complications, through you, I will proclaim my gospel. How can he do this? How can God display his wonderful, incomprehensible, matchless glory through us? How can he proclaim his sin-destroying, death-crushing, life-giving gospel through us? Through us! It's easy for him. Because it's in our very darkest places. At our weakest moments. And through our imperfections that he can show forth his light, his sufficiency, and his grace. 
In another one of Paul's letters, he describes what he calls a thorn in his flesh. It's a weakness that God gave him that he has persistently asked God to take away, but God hasn't. We don't know exactly what it was, whether it was physical or spiritual, but Paul's response to his own weakness, to his own thorn in the flesh, is illustrative for us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So get a load of this, what Paul says in response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And now get a load of this that Paul says. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This goes against every piece of conventional wisdom about how to be a man, how to be a pastor, how to be a leader that I have ever heard. I boast about my weaknesses. I delight in insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. The gospel of Jesus Christ turns everything upside down. For you, for me, for the church, we no longer boast in our strength or our performance or our abilities or our outward appearance of having it all together. No. To quote Paul from another letter of his, 1 Corinthians 31, who himself in that part was quoting Jeremiah, who himself was quoting God, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom nor the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. Jesus Christ displays his glory and proclaims his gospel through imperfect churches, because imperfect churches are all there are. And Jesus to Christ displays his power through weak people because weak people are all there are. So are you feeling imperfect this morning? Are you feeling weak this morning? Then good news that right now at this moment throughout the cosmos and throughout the church and throughout this church, the light and the power, and the forgiveness, and the mercy, and the grace, and the victory of Jesus Christ, that is all ours in Christ, is shining brightly and resplendently, and cannot be diminished, not now, and not ever. We live, and move, and have our being, and exist as a church in the undiminished glory of Jesus Christ. What we'll see this morning as we wrap up the book of Ephesians is that we come full circle to this foundational, fundamental truth that because God is the source of our blessings in Christ, those blessings are incorruptible. Let me say that again. 
Because God is the source of our blessings in Christ. Those blessings are incorruptible. We'll see that in our text. Four brief verses that Max read to us earlier. Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. And because we've been blessed in Christ, and because those blessings are incorruptible, then we can boast in our weakness. Because our weaknesses themselves actually display the excellencies of Jesus himself. Scattered throughout the Bible and in our text this morning, God reminds us he uses normal people. He uses average people just like us for his purposes. And he reminds us of this simply sometimes by including their names. Look with me at verse 21. Paul writes, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage your hearts. Tychicus, if any of you are expecting this morning and you want some Bible name ideas, there's one for you, Tychicus. We've gone the whole letter of Ephesians without hearing about this guy, and here at the end, Paul introduces the person who hand-delivered hand carried this letter to a small Christian sect in Ephesus and probably read it out loud to them. Be encouraged that the Bible includes mentions of people like Tychicus. Why? Well, we may not be reading this letter this morning if it weren't for him. He apparently was a trustworthy minister of the gospel in the early church. He hand carried this letter. He was an early model of what a gospel preacher should be. Note that Paul, who wrote this letter, was in prison when he wrote this. And he would have been forgiven if he had asked for a little encouragement himself. But he sends Tychicus to encourage their hearts. So this man most likely had an instrumental role in the early church that we still benefit from today, even this morning. And we hardly know anything about him except his name. And in Acts chapter 20, it tells us he's from Asia. It's about all we know, and that he was beloved and faithful. So listen, there are no wasted people in the kingdom of God. Not you, not me, not Tychicus. There are no insignificant members of God's family. And because God sees us that way, we need to see one another that way. Why? For one, because it keeps this truth in the forefront of our minds. God uses weak people. God uses normal people in normal churches. The God who chooses us is the God who uses us. And we can't boast in our chosenness. Anyone who accepts and believes this mind-blowing truth from Ephesians, that God chooses us, he predestines us for adoption, Ephesians 1.5, and then becomes prideful in being chosen, clearly doesn't understand the point of God choosing us. Because God chooses us when we're dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2. And God saves us by his grace when we're children of wrath and wandering on our own. And he decides to save us through his son and for his purposes. So we exist then, Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Being chosen can't lead to pride. It leads to praise. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that what? 
so that no one may boast. God chooses who he wants to choose. God uses who he wants to use. And the only kinds of people and the only kinds of churches he has to work with are dead ones. Before he touches them, before he saves them, before he calls them out, before he breathes his breath upon them and shines his light upon them, the only kinds of people and churches he has to work with are dead ones. He makes us alive. He calls us beloved, like Tychicus. We have nothing to boast in then, ever, except the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's true for me, it's true for you, it's true for this church. The only thing we've ever been able to boast in is Jesus Christ. Not Jesus plus our programs. Not Jesus plus our music. Not Jesus plus our campus. Not Jesus plus anything. And God will strip away our pride. And God will strip away our idols. And God will strip away our self-righteousness until we can stand with hands lifted high and say, we boast in Christ and Christ alone. Christ alone. And now we come to these final verses of the book of Ephesians. Verses 23, 24. Read with me. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. So we come full circle now to the bedrock foundation of our life in Christ, both as individuals and as the church, which is this. He himself is the source of everything. He is the gift. He is the giver. He is the source. He is the sustainer. Therefore, nothing, nothing can diminish our standing in Christ because nothing can diminish Christ. Our standing, our identity, our life in Christ is always and forever totally secure and incorruptible because Jesus himself is totally secure and incorruptible. The incorruptibility of our identity in Christ is directly linked to the incorruptibility of Christ. The immortality of our blessings and identity and eternity with Christ is linked to the immortality of Christ. Because Christ's light never fades, our light never fades. Because Christ is alive and will never die again, we are alive and will never die again. Because Christ is eternally victorious, we are eternally victorious. See how this works? (laughs) Because Christ is alive, we are forever alive in Christ. So every blessing that is Christ's is ours. Everything that is true about Christ is true about us. So every power of hell, every scheme of man, every demonic oppression, every satanic lie that has been crushed beneath Jesus' feet is also crushed beneath our feet. Amen. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. But the devil will lie to you. He'll say, you're weak. You're a fool. You're fickle. You're a mess. Look at you. You're a sinner. You're a laughing stock. You disappointed yourself. You've disappointed God. You haven't stayed strong. You haven't fought hard enough. You haven't held it together. You are on your own. You are without hope. And Jesus stands in front of him and tells the devil to shut up. Amen. (laughs) And as the apostle John saw Jesus in Revelation 1, Jesus stands before us clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head are white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes are like a flame of fire. His feet are like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice is like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, he holds seven stars. And from his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. And his face is like the sun shining in full strength. And Jesus, like he did for the Apostle John, lays his right hand on us saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Friends, brothers and sisters, Truro, Jesus has the keys. Jesus holds the keys forever. He is Lord. He is risen. He is reigning. He is victorious. He is on his throne. He is all-powerful. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. And what kind of love is it? Verse 24 tells us, love incorruptible. The security of our identity in Christ is as secure as Christ himself is secure. And that is the kind of security you can build your life on And it's the kind of security Christ can build his church on. And it's why, as imperfect and messed up and complicated as we are, the light of Jesus shines through because it was only his light anyways. Paul writes in verse 23, Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul's only blessing in his letters that's in the plural If he had had the expression that I grew up with in the South, all y'all, he would have used it here in the Greek. He would have used it. I'm sure he would have. Peace be with all y'all. It's a blessing for the church. Receive it. It has all the familiar words, peace, love, faith, grace. But highlight these two words here in verse 23. From God. From God. All of these blessings come from God. And because they come from God, they never cease. Because they come from God, they don't depend on us. 
because they come from God and are secured for us in Christ, then on the one hand, we can't boast in having done anything ever to earn them. So on the other hand, we don't have to fear they'll be taken away. Peace and love with faith from God. And then Paul concludes in verse 24 with this simple prayer. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. It's interesting. This is the only time in Ephesians when Paul talks about us loving Jesus. The whole rest of the book, he's dealt with God's love for us, Christ's love shown to us, husband's love for wives, believers' love for one another, love in general. But here, at the very end, he reminds us that our response to all that God has done for us in Christ is not to love a doctrine or to love a system or even to love the gospel. Our response simply is to love Jesus. Maybe you're tired of how complicated and messy and hurtful churches can be sometimes. It's okay. I get it. Start with Jesus. Or maybe just go back to Jesus. Look upon him again. See his kindness. Consider the one who has loved you since before you were even conceived, whose eyes saw your unformed substance, who chose you, who saved you. You might not like the church very much sometimes. But love Jesus. Love the Redeemer. Start with him. And he will help you over time love the other sinners just like you, who he came to redeem. So now we come to the end of the book of Ephesians. And looking back, we see a common thread, a common message. The message of Ephesians, the message of Christianity, the message of the church is this. God loves you with an everlasting love. And he showed that everlasting love to you on the cross in Christ. On the cross, Jesus took our sins upon himself, bore the punishment for those sins that we deserved, was buried in a tomb that should have held our lifeless bodies, and then defeated death, broke the bonds of sin, and death was raised to life and raised us up with him forevermore. He died the death we deserve to die, and he raised us up in the resurrection that was his and made it our resurrection. It was all an act of grace, all an act of absolute love, all an act that redeemed broken, sinful, messed up, dysfunctional, weak men and women, all that his glory would be displayed and all that his gospel would be proclaimed. You only have to get a few pages into your Bible before you realize that God's redemptive plan plays itself out by using messed up, broken people. Just a few pages in to the Bible, you see that pretty quickly. God's story, his story of salvation has never been and never will be a story of him using perfect people or perfect churches who have it all together to impress a watching world with how perfect they are. No, God has sovereignly ordained that he would use the very sinners he came to redeem to show forth the glory of the one he sent to redeem them. The whole Bible tells this story. And at the beginning of the Bible, we have the story of the fall of man. But at the end of the Bible, 
In Revelation 12, we have the account of the great fall of the accuser. And we read there that the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's why we can boast in our weaknesses. That's why we can delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Because otherwise we'd have no testimony. But now, but God, but in Christ, we have a testimony. We're sinners saved by grace. We're weak people made strong in the resurrection power of Christ. We're broken people who are made whole in the incorruptible love of Jesus. The word of our testimony is one word, Jesus. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And that word, above all earthly powers, is one word. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's all we have to boast in. It's all I have to boast in. It's not me or myself or my education, my resume, my gifting, my strength, my experience. It's Jesus only. And if that, that's true for us too. It's not us or our reputation or our strength or our appearance. It's always and only and forever Jesus. Praise be to his name. So peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And all of his peace and love and faithfulness and grace are forever ours and are forever on display in us and through us. He used Tychicus to deliver a message from Paul who delivered a message from God and that message is this. He will use you. You who were once dead in your trespasses and sins to display the glory of the one who saved you. And he will use the church and he will use this church as weak and weary as we are to proclaim his gospel. And sometimes the weaker the better, all the more can the blazing light of the resplendent Son of God shine through. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Why don't we stand as we pray? Lord Jesus, shine your light. Lord Jesus, shine your light. In our weakness, in our weariness, in our longings, in our darkness.
shine the light of Christ. May your peace and your grace and your love and your faithfulness rest upon us forever in Christ. And Lord, make us low, make us low, make us low, that Jesus may be exalted high. Let's sing together.